Squire Radio, I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD. Hey, Bo. Good afternoon, man. Man, good afternoon to you too, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah doing good. Yeah, it's a beautiful afternoon and um, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm here and I, I'm, I'm above ground, man. That's better than the alternative. Yeah, there you so. go. There you go. Man, <laughs> yes it is. Yes it is. I'm, I'm excited. We've got, uh, we've got some fun things to talk about today on Country Squire Radio. And of course, we would not be able to do it without the amazing support of the folks over at patreon.com slash Radio. Man, we actually have a new patron this week that I want to give a shout out to. Oh, which that's is, great. Uh, Kyle Winters. Now, it's interesting because first of all, shout out to Kyle. Thank you so much for, uh, for supporting the show. And it's interesting because club members always, you know, we we talk about, you know, we've got our club members and everything else. But for those that, you know, can only support us for like a dollar an episode, that goes a long way. So I want to big up Kyle. Thank you so much for becoming a patron and to those that are are making the show happen, man. Yep. No, that's great. All right. I got to tell you, I'm a little nervous about this one. Yeah. I'm a little. That's, ne- o- that's okay. Yeah. This is part. This is part of our uh, our coming home uh, efforts, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and and this is a this is a series that we're about to uh, crack open here, if you will. That is very much kind of your 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 brainchild. Yeah, and I'm excited about it. But as a dyslexic, I'm also nervous. And so <laughs> because it might require a little reading. It might require a little reading. <laughs> and so, uh, I, but I'm excited for it. And you know, I'll, I'll just say this. You know, with with our father to father series, we kind of invited people into like like you know that those two two dads coming together sitting in the smoke shop, sitting in the squire and having conversations. This one, if you cast your mind back to our pipe culture episode where we talked about places, Mm. one of the ones that we had that we talked about was the study. Right. Yeah. Like you think about kind of those easy chairs, you think about, you know, you're surrounded by kind of uh, uh, books that bound in rich mahogany, you know, like the whole you know, leather bound books. You got your, your secretary desk with your quill pen. Right. And, you know, all this. Yeah. And so I guess if we're inviting people into a space. Yeah. That's the space we want to bring people into. Mm. And uh, man, this is this is the beginning of our. From the library. From the library. Yeah, yeah this is going to be fun. So, uh, just kind of a brief concept of what we're doing here. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring reading items to the table in this series, where you know Bo and I have found something interesting that we think is worth uh, sharing with each other and with you. Mm. And we're actually going to read them with you, and we're gonna then uh, kind of go through and pause occasionally and talk about this and just kind of give our impressions and and we'll see where it goes. Okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna be gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and and I may be doing more of the reading than Bo, and that's and that's great. Well, and it's that's interesting because like I I <laughs> while I'm I'm not a strong reader and probably even a weaker writer, I have been doing a lot of writing, and so I do think that this might be a fun fun place to share some of the things that I've been working on. I don't know if you're a weak writer. Well, you don't know yet, so we'll, we'll, we'll we might I might I might share. For example, I I've, I worked on a play. Okay. That, that we were getting ready to launch right before 2020. Oh, and then yeah, that's it, right. As an immersive play, where you have to be up in people's faces. Yeah. It obviously doesn't work in the modern context, <laughs> and so. It's just kind of collecting dust, and so maybe I'll, yeah. I'll explore that a little bit okay. on, on, in this part of the well, series. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll, we'll see, see where it goes. goes. All right. So we are going to do a little reading today, and we're going to invite you to join us as you sit in our study. This is a cool book. Like, I just want to say this that. This is pretty sweet, like, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, I know you're about to like set it up and talk about the history and everything else, but just looking at it, you know, so John David is holding in his hands 
this book that looks like it has been through hell. It's like, a 50 year old book. It is, uh, it is yeah. well loved as my grandmother would say. Mm-hmm. It, it has got, uh, there's a piece of like the jacket that is actually like torn out or missing. All of the pages have gone yellow. Like this is, and you know, all of the edges are, you know, feathered and, and <laughs> I think that's the right term. Yellowed and well loved and, uh, and smoke stained and smoke stained <laughs> and appropriately. So John David, what is this book and who is it by? Today, we are going to read uh, a, from a very out-of-print book called The Leaves from a Tobacco Man's Log. Yeah. And, and th- this is cool. This Captain's is actually... Log. Uh, Sorry. Tobacco, <laughs> tobacco Man's Log. Uh, yeah. Star date, uh, Latakia date, number whatever. Um, Wesley, bring me the barley. So... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this uh, <laughs> Leaves from a Tobacco Man's Log. Uh, this is written by... It, well, it's, it's, it's written, actually... By Raymond L. Schnitzer, but it's a it's a book about conversations with Herman G. Lane, and that is Lane from the Lane pipe tobacco fame. And of course, uh, Herman G. Lane, one of the giant figures of pipe tobacco, really in the 20th century, certainly in the American variety of that. And um, just an incredible uh, person in his, in his own right. Lane was a was a was an importer and a tobacco manufacturer altogether. And, and a so, big fan of the letter Q. And a, lig, a big fan of the letter <laughs> Q. Uh, because uh, it featured prominently in some of his some of his most right. famous blends. Herman G. Lane, the German family, he immigrated. His his father did some tobacco-related stuff in Germany, but they immigrated into the United States in the late 1930s uh, and then started the Lane brand in Manhattan. Really hmm. cool. Was one of these importers of all fine pipe-smoking-related stuff. And so just lived a very interesting life, was a, a cardinal, you know, central person in the pipe-smoking world, certainly in the United States. You know, was a uh, incredible importer of things like Dunhill, Sheraton. You know, and then obviously we think of uh, Lane's uh, tobaccos. We think of HGL, and which stands for Herman G. Lane. Uh, we think of One Q. We think of RLP Six, and uh, all these other little uh, you know alphabet soup tobaccos that <laughs> that uh, that folks love from uh, from Lane. Mm. But um, but anyway, a real force, and that con- that company obviously continues in Tucker, Georgia. Bo and I've been to that uh, factory mm. actually, and is now owned by Scandinavian Tobacco Group. But anyway, we're reading Leaves from a Tobacco Man's Log, an out-of-print book about Herman G. Lane. It's by Raymond L. Schnitzer. This one of the special things about this particular book that I'm that I'm holding in my hand is that it's signed by Herman G. Lane. What? To a Mr. Jim Reeves. And so Mr. Mr. Reeves, who founded our uh, smoke shop in 1970, was gifted this book actually by Herman G. Lane. Dude. And, uh, And it says June 1970. So incredibly special, something that is a real piece of treasure for our for our shop. Where do you keep that? When it's not in your hands. I, it should be in a safe, but it's right above my desk where I can see it every day. Man. So I, I try to surround myself with some of these artifacts to remember that, you know, we're not just a, any old shop. We're, we're an institution, you know? And Absolutely. So yeah. It's uh, it's pretty cool. So this book is is really beautiful. It's, it's obviously, I said it's out of print. You can occasionally find it online for... <laughs> couple hundred bucks <laughs> i mean it's just ridiculous like i mean it, you just can't find it and so right. it, you know obviously people are willing to pay for it there's three parts to this book part one is the tobacco man uh part two is pipes and their pleasures 
And part three is A Dried Leaf. Uh, and this is about a 100-page book. It's not very big. But today we're going to be reading excerpts from uh, Pipes and Their Pleasures. And uh, I think this will be good. This particular book, you know, is out of print. And so this is something that you won't be able to just pull up on your Kindle. But anyway, let's... Uh Let's begin. Okay. Uh, Part two, Pipes and Their Pleasures. I'll start us out. Habitual browsers at Lane's retail store often swap tales about the romance and history of pipes, sharing knowledge of the pipe's adventurous past and adding to their enjoyment of smoking. For them, a pipe is a thing of beauty, a cherished possession, the slowly evolved product of master craftsmanship through hundreds of years. Even corn cobs and clays are worthy additions to any pipe smoker's collection to be enjoyed with the more expensive and fragile meerschaums or the massive intellectual-looking calabashes. I, lo- I just love this book. It's yeah. great. But such pipes are ancillary to a collection. The core of such a collection should be composed of fine, durable briars. At times, Lane points out, a beginner does himself a disservice. He buys an inexpensive pipe because he knows little about pipes or pipe smoking, intending to invest later when he becomes more experienced. The bite and structural defects of an inferior pipe detract from the pleasure of smoking so that the taste of even the finest mixtures is impaired. Of course, there are occasions when a young man really cannot afford a pipe that costs over ten dollars. <laughs> okay, so this let's see this. Oh, book was, those were the days. I know this book was written in. <laughs> we coming back to the dust jacket. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, how about those ten dollar pipes, John? Okay, David? well, this book was written in 1970. So, um, uh-huh. so yeah. How that, about those ten dollar pipes, John David? Yeah, when that, you, that's when in the, coming out with those. Yeah, we 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 um we we don't sell ten dollar pipes. No, you don't. Uh, we do sell Missouri Meerschaum pipes, but that's what. Okay. That's true. That, right. no, that's, that's true. That's true. That's coming fair. back here. Okay. Coming back home. Right. <laughs> of course, there are occasions when a young man really cannot afford a pipe that costs over $10. Then our tobacconists help him select the best his budget can afford. Any beginner, regardless of his income, does well to learn something about pipes before he buys one. That includes selection and care, as well as the art and technology of smoking. So Ooh, the technology of smoking. So let's let's pause there for a minute. What what are some of your impressions about uh, about what's been written so far, Bo? Yeah, no, I mean it's it's interesting. It does kind of take me back to my earliest days of you know uh, wanting to get into pipe smoking and, and thinking about how yes, I walked in literally looking to buy the cheapest pipe. Like I saw things that I liked, but then I saw the price point and I was that more of looking for that $10 pipe. But at the same time at, at that, at that time, I wasn't in a corn cob mindset. I was very much in like, I was looking for a briar pipe. Looking for what in your mind was a, normal pipe exactly i mean you know it was briar pipe probably bent and you know just whatever i mean yeah but it is something i will say this i think that anybody who's walked into a pipe shop for the first time as kind of like an uninitiated pipe smoker yeah is coming in with exactly that like with a lot of preconceptions and what it talks about here is like you were doing well to like educate yourself prior to going in yeah that's very true And I mean, most people, I guess today we have more opportunity than they did in the seventies, obviously, because we have the internet and we've got, you know, YouTube and we've got podcasts and we've got all these different ways to gain information. And probably, you know, I would imagine that the more uh, modern pipe smoker has, is actually doing this. Whereas back in the, in the seventies, that might not have been the case. It just wasn't possible. Your research was going to the pipe shop, right. And to, and asking about, I mean, you, and, and even you weren't going to even go to the library probably and pick up a pipe, 
you know, a book about pipe smoking. There may, but may have been such things occasionally. But you know, you had to mine your your resources that were local, right? And so, uh, so that makes sense about you know getting educated on that. And that's where the the guy wearing the apron behind the counter kind of comes in handy, right? Right. Um, you know, that can help answer some of those questions. It it, it is tough though. I, I sense one thing about Country Squire Radio that we've always prided ourselves on is that we're not we're not snobbish, or at least we try. We try not to be. We try not to be. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, um, you know, we, sh- we haven't, we haven't always succeeded in that. We, I, I think and we haven't, yeah, you know, but, but we do try and cause we also try to call out the snobbishness. Yeah. And then like, I, I've, I even, I can't think of specific moments of, over the history of the show, but I know I can think of feeling that way before where we've said something that I'm like, you know, I feel like, like two I need to years repent. ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, like, not only do we need to repent, but like, I think two years ago we judged people that just said what we said, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's like, yeah. Uh, okay. Huh. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> but we try. So I, I think in Schnitzer's book here, as he's describing this, like I, I, there's a little part that bristles in me. You're right. Mm-hmm. About the folks that, um, you know, if he buy, if an inexperienced pipe smoker buys, um, you know, he, he should invest in a pipe, um, and, and make sure it's a really good one. Uh, you know, before he even, even knows if he likes pipe smoking, right? And I, I just don't know how realistic that is. I, I, I sympathize with huh. the people yeah. that walk into the country squire and think they can get out with a new pipe, tobacco, uh, all the accessories they need, and be happy on their way. And they think that they can get out for 20 bucks. And, right, right. And, you know, and that's unless you're smoking um, very in- inexpensive tobacco and all that stuff, it's just hard to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, I, I sympathize with that. So I, there is something that bristles at me a little bit, although I appreciate what he's saying because a, a better pipe that's been aged properly that uh, doesn't have some of those flaws is going to smoke better. And yeah. so it's a, I don't know. It's a both and thing. So there, there's a little part of me that, that bristles at that particular comment. But um, anyway, uh, you know, he says, though, anybody uh, of any income, um, you know, does well to learn something about pipes before they buy one. And um, and, and I think that's true in general. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. Continuing on. In the 16th century England, uh, pipe smoking was considered such an important social grace that tutors posted bulletins in St. Paul's Cathedral, offering to give lessons in the gentle art of smoking wow. to those of noble birth. Wow! That was okay. because huh. everything related to a pipe was so expensive. Uh, only aristocrats could afford to buy a pound of pipe tobacco. Which was worth its weight in silver, to say nothing of clay pipes and pipe-smoking equipment. Uh, Those of humbler social standings had to be satisfied with frequenting a tabagi. Okay, pause. What? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, T-A-B-A-G-I-E. I I think that would be the precursor of a tobacconist. I I think think that's probably... Tabagi. 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 I don't know. But I, I I think that's what he's saying here. Continuing, here they rented a pipe and smoked a pipe full for three pence. The bowl of the pipe was made of walnut shell and the stem of straw. Well, things have changed, Herman G. Lang chuckles. Our tobacconists don't inquire into a man's pedigree when he buys a pipe. Quite the contrary, we ask the man to check the label of the pipe's pedigree, the manufacturer's label. The reputable pipe maker stands behind any pipe he hopes to sell, even if it's a mass-produced pipe. 
He selects only hard grain briar blocks for the pipes destined to bear his firm's imprint. That's why we tell our customers never to buy seconds. These are usually rejects, which a good manufacturer will not allow in his line. They would destroy the reputation he has carefully built up over the years. In pipes, there are no bargains, Lane adds. How can there be when a fine briar root takes alone takes 60 to 100 years, even 250 years to mature? And we'll stop there. So he is giving a, a little bit of a history on the the incredible early days of pipe smoking where this stuff was just hard to get. I mean, yeah. we, we think about in our, you know, Amazon ships it to our door, but even 20 years down the road, you could buy a bigger assortment of, or, you know, earlier you could buy a bigger assortment of pipe tobacco at the, you know, at the grocery store kind of thing. And so, um, but you know, back then, I mean, this was a, ex- it was truly exotic in Elizabethan e- England. And so it's interesting, the concept of, you know, offering tutorial lessons, right? I mean, uh, posting these up in St. Paul's Cathedral to uh, to go learn. How, I mean, that, that's crazy. I've never heard that in my life yeah. until I read this book. Yeah. I, I, you know, I often think about how cool it would be to travel back in time or travel ahead in time or what, what have you. Man, I, like, I would love to experience that. Yeah. I don't know. That's just, that's such a wild concept. <laughs> such, it's such a foreign concept. Because yeah. it was something back then so exotic right. that only your only your aristocrat or your dandy could afford to, you know, pay someone to give them a lesson on how to smoke it, M- much less, pro- you know, procure the actual pipe itself. What do you or, say? Or a, even the tobacco. A, like a, a pound of tobacco is worth its weight in silver or something like that? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just, I was giving you a hard time about the pipes, but like, maybe maybe you need to jack up the price may, of the pipe tobacco. I know, right? <laughs> maybe it's the tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, it, it's, yeah. it's funny. Uh, I, I do like that Lane, you know, as he's talking here, kind of discussing this, he's saying, well, you know, any, anyone can smoke a pipe now, but, you know, we're more concerned about the pipes pedigree and, um, yeah. and you know, and I, I think there's some, there's some truth to that well that's true and i mean i i mean i think that's true of like you know as you kind of see the modernization of industry and and retail and and just in general i think even i struggle to say anything on a societal standpoint because it seems like so much is cyclical um yeah but i mean like you do see where over time especially you know in this country uh where that's been the case where instead of like there's been kind of this you know uh classist approach to uh um you know sales and retail and that sort of thing who could shop where and what you know who could have what yeah and over time what we've seen um through you know activist rights civil rights that as as well but also through companies recognizing the power of the buyer and the buy the power and the buyer rec- representing the like recognizing the power they have like that's stop trying to like say like oh you can buy me you can buy me. it's like no now i need to compete more accurately and universally for everybody's dollar. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it's interesting. I think there's, there's a lot of truth in, in kind of that. And then, you know, you'd also think about like, you know, like Downton Abbey, like, you know, kind of the whole like up, upstairs, downstairs I divide. Know, and I know. Like, oh, I bet uh, Lord Grantham has his own tea blend and that sort of thing. Like, oh, we only, <laughs> we only sell to the finest of, uh, arist- <laughs> you know, like that, that whole situation. We're stuck drinking the tea off the bottom of a shoe. Oh, right. you must think you're one of the tops to be able to get some of that, you know, whatever it may be. Anyway. it's a, I do have to admit, uh, yeah. just uh, on, on that subject, I am just now for the first time in my life. Watching, watching Downton Abbey. Abbey. Welcome, brother. And it's been... <laughs> It's been awesome. It's it's been awesome. We gotcha. I think I'm on like season three or something. Anyway, it. it's it's great. Like it it went off the air. What like 
six years ago or something. Uh-huh. I'm just now experiencing. Yeah, there's a movie. There's a new movie coming out yeah, too. Yeah, that's what I don't 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 tip me off. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. Continuing on with uh, leaves from a tobacco man's log. Page 50, uh, picking up here, uh, when thoroughly aged and dry, the briar burl is taken from the earth and examined for flaws. Those burls free from free of defects are cut into pipe-shaped blocks about three inches in circumference. The burls are then grated and cured to extract the resins, tars, and sap. Uh, burls are boiled uh, for, t- for two days and allowed to dry out in a moisture-free room, hmm. some for three years. For the, wait, hey, pause. Sorry. <laughs> Is it okay that I'm pausing you to ask yeah, questions? Yeah, it's great. Is that, do we age pipe tobacco for three years in like a curing type process like well, that? Pipes we do, not pipe tobacco. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. Right, well, right. I mean, well, some some pipe tobacco is aged for three years, some longer than that. But, huh. but yeah, he's referring to pipes right here. Okay, my bad. And so uh, the burls are, he says, boiled for two days and then allowed to dry out in a moisture-free room, some for three years. And yeah, bro, that's true. Hmm. Some of the biggest pipe manufacturers in the world uh, still are committed to that. I think Savinelli will not sell a briar that has not sat in a barn for at least two years. My goodness. Okay, yeah. interesting. And, and matter of fact, we even had a, a huh. Costello that we sold recently. We sold it for about $1,500. It was one of the more expensive pipes that I've sold personally. And that pipe had sat in a barn in northern Italy since 1983. And they just carved it a few years ago. Man, so, okay. So the, the briar was literally harvested, uh, you know, before we were born, which is just crazy. Um, all right, continuing on. The care and time invested in this second aging process determined the sweetness of the smoke. A properly seasoned and aged briar bowl is porous so that it can breathe when smoked. When absolutely bone dry, the blocks are shipped to pipe makers all over the world where they are again inspected for flaws. Most reputable pipe makers claim that from a shipment of 100 blocks, only five can be rated as top grade. But when it comes to the king of pipes, the Sheraton, only one in four top grade briar blocks is found worthy of provisional acceptance at the factory. Why provisional acceptance? Well, because it is only the beginning of the careful selection procedure. During the handcrafting, half to three-quarters of the blocks are rejected because they do not meet Sheraton's established standards of quality. For example, the pipe maker assiduously hollows out the bowl. He may discover that a drop of water has created a minuscule air pocket, rendering the briar block worthless. Some pipe makers patch or fill or splice the bowl to hide imperfections, but such a bowls such bowls are apt to burn out and show the filling under the stained heat. Quote, if I had my way, and I'm quite sure I speak for reputable pipe makers and dealers as a group, I'd like to give each and every beginner some fundamental rules about pipe buying. Lane's first rule is if you find a rough spot, hole, or depression inside the bowl, then hands off. A small surface defect outside may have no adverse effect at all. The pipe may yield many good hours of smoking. A bowl which has been carved to eliminate flaws may also prove worthy of ownership. Of course, a truly fine briar is never elaborately carved. When handcrafted, the shape of the pipe can be cut according to the grain, but if you are buying a less costly pipe, it is always good to examine the bowl under a strong light for varnish which not only impairs the tobacco's flavor, but conceals the defects and fillers that show up once the varnish wears off. So we'll pause there. So it's interesting 
you know, he's talking a lot about the um, care that goes into selecting briar blocks and then also the kind of discrimination you need to have when you're looking at these pipes. And, and, and there again, that's, you know, things that the new pipe smoker are just not acquainted with, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting. He talks about, you know, especially if you're not spending as much money being a little bit more like careful about like what it is you're buying. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and doing kind of that, uh, you know, what do you, what do you, the, what's the monocle that you put over your eye that like makes things bigger? A magnifying glass? Yeah, but no, it <laughs> yeah, not, not, but not a magnifying glass. I meant like you know, you put the thing and then you yeah, put like wait, little magnifying well, glasses. Like over jewelers it. use, yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, yeah. magnifying glass. So you take the magnifying glass to it, <laughs> and typically we do that for you know, uh, for if we're spending a lot of money. Yeah. Like oh, I just I just dropped a couple hundred dollars on this pipe. That's when I or, or I'm about to drop a couple hundred dollars on the pipe. That's typically when I'm like picking it up, I'm inspecting it, I'm really kind of taking making that extra. sure the inside of the bowl doesn't have flaws yeah. and that it's kind of you know yeah. And it's interesting because I don't think I mean I, I don't know if this I, I don't know if this is universally true, but it probably is. I think for a lot of us when we don't when we're just kind of like hey I just need it you know I just I just need something functional right 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 we drop a little bit of money on it and we just kind of get it well. If we're not, if we're getting something functional, mm-hmm. even if we're only spending a few dollars, especially if we're only spending a few dollars, shouldn't we take the extra time to make sure it functions? It's interesting you know what I mean? because you're right. Yeah, I mean the the only thing you're buying is something that you want to use, right? You know, as a tool almost, and so it's like, well, you 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 want to make sure it it works properly. It's also kind of interesting. Maybe it says something about our society where. You know, nowadays, when we think of an inexpensive pipe, we really think of it as being disposable. Right. No, this is very true. Right. And so and what he's saying here is, no, the inexpensive pipes are the ones you really need to check out. Right. Because they're the ones that may not last and you want them to last. Right. You want them to. That's the goal is to mm, is yeah. to, you know, make sure, hey, I'm I'm not spending a lot on this. So I got to make sure, you know, it, because I may not have a lot to spend. And so you want to make sure it's a it's a good one. Um, yeah, I just think that's I think that's interesting would i mean i think that there's probably like a little bit of like a charge in that to some extent or like a a message in that for us as kind of the modern like consumer again not just on pipes but just in general anything that we're purchasing not to be like not to treat everything as so disposable right but to really like you know if you're going to make a purchase if you're going to if you're going to get something tangible especially in a digital world that we live in yeah put some care and, and thought into it like yeah. don't don't just get something off of Amazon just to get it just to just to get it but yeah. you know put some put some thought into it yeah yeah even, even if, if it's, it's something cheap. inexpensive right. yeah matter matters right Mat- matter matters I like that is that a is that an episode okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it sounds like physics so we should probably know, steer right? clear yeah of, which yeah. we should stay steer, steer clear of continuing on. Let's talk about, so he's going to kind of describe some different, you know, internal parts of the pipe. And we'll talk about uh, now where he discusses mouthpieces, Uh, mouthpieces, which confirm to certain basic conform to certain basic patterns are designed to fit comfortably and snugly between the teeth. So-called fishtail mouthpieces spread the weight of the pipe over several teeth. Uh, If your bite is hard, don't select a thick mouthpiece. A thin and hand-cut bit lasts longer since it requires less bite to hold in place. One final but important point about mouthpieces, make sure the opening is not too narrow. If it is, the smoke will be concentrated onto a small area of your tongue uh, with unpleasant results. The stem complements and brings out the bowl's graceful lines and creates the aesthetically pleasing pipe. If an entire pipe is properly designed and crafted, it will achieve a degree of balance that makes it feel wonderfully light in your hand. 
A badly designed stem produces an awkward pipe that is uncomfortable to smoke. Pipes with long shanks or heavy bowls tend to cool the smoke. Finally, the pipe should be taken apart uh, and checked for, quote, plumbing or metal metal filters. Uh, Such devices are not customarily used in better English pipes because they are not necessary. One has only to smoke a good pipe properly and keep it reasonably clean to prevent the resins and tars from getting into his mouth. Uh, checking these points is essential to making a sound purchase. So and we'll, we'll stop there for today. But so he's talking about, you know, again, why, you know, selecting the proper pipe. Right. It's interesting. He says if you bite harder on your pipe, you actually want a thinner mouthpiece. That makes sense to me. That's fascinating, though, because I think of a thinner mouthpiece as more brittle. Yeah, but like, so you're dispersing the weight. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 now that I think about it that way, it makes sense. Yeah. But but I, I guess I've just never um, never heard that. He says a thin hand cut bit can last longer, um, which is uh, which is interesting. Also, on top of that, I mean, again, I've, I've been, <laughs> I guess this is the fascinating thing about taking some time to like read a deep dive into a thing, right? Yeah. Because it really causes you to stop and think. And this is, this is interesting because this literature is literally on pipes. We are a pipe tobacco podcast. And like, I feel like, like this is causing me to think about things. <laughs> so we've never and we're learning as you're listening. Right. And so <laughs> it's really, it's really interesting because I've never really given fishtail uh, stems really that much credit for being anything other than just ah, flat and long, you know, like, like, yeah, it just comes out the end of it or whatever. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I think I look at, I look, I have always looked at them from a very visual standpoint, mm-hmm. which is kind of stupid because <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Cause that's the part that goes, like that is the most function. I mean, it's all function. It's but the I mean, most like, intimate part of the pipe. That's true. And it is because you, know, you think about it, your, your mouth is, you know, a straight line, you know, theoretic. I mean, we're from the South. Our teeth are a little jagged, but you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, right. But anyway, like that's the thing. Like it, it's it, theoretically, you've got kind of like a flat line. Yeah. And if you put in like more of a rounded stem in it, I mean, like even just like, it doesn't really make sense. No, I mean like a P lip in particular, I think about as being for me and I get a lot, a lot of people love the P lip, but for me, a highly uncomfortable experience. They drive me crazy. Typically, most of your pipes are going to have a fishtail stem. That, that, that whole concept of coming out, having a small button and then a, and then an airway that's, you know, preferably relatively generous according to, to Lane, which I think is right. Um, and that's, it's, it's just so interesting. I've just never really thought about it from the standpoint of like, this this is functionally here to make sure for a purpose yeah like that your that your pipe doesn't fall out of your mouth and that it doesn't like mess up your teeth yeah you know like, yeah, while sure. you're clenching it because it's sure. it's meant to some extent to be clenched yeah which again we don't think about pipes in that way we kind of try to not clench right <laughs> like you've you've been an advocate for not clenching your pipe well but i mean that's just me personally i think a lot of people do and that's just part of it. I, yeah. I don't know if I'd say I've been an advocate for that. But, I, um, I, I love this though. And I'm going to mention this right before we wrap up. Yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> he, he talks about, he, he really dogs filtered pipes here, right? He, he really throws filtered pipes like under the bus. Mm-hmm. He, he says, you need to take the pipe apart and check for the quote plumbing or metal, metal filters, you know, and the lady that hired me, Miss, Mrs. Gwen Reeves, uh, who, who hired me. Um, one of the first things she told me about selling a pipe is that that if you ever open up a pipe and you find a piece of metal, you always throw the metal out. (laughs) (laughs) She was such a, like, just so adamant about this. It's Mm -hmm. like, if there's a metal stinger, some kind of metal moisture condenser, any of that kind of stuff, you toss it. 
you just throw it out because it's it it if, if anything it's going to hurt the experience it's going to hurt the pipe even though maybe it's made to help the pipe and what uh what lane is saying here well he's he's kind of agreeing he is agreeing he's saying no look if you if you're smoking a good pipe with good tobacco um and you're keeping it reasonably clean you won't need any kind of little widget like that or any kind of filter any kind of gimmicky deal to help with the smoke you just need to learn how to smoke a pipe and it needs to be a good pipe and it needs to have good tobacco and he you know he's basically saying that is going to cure all the issues of your pipe smoking and you won't need a quote-unquote filter or as he says the the plumbing or metal metal filter so, um, so I just think that's interesting. A lot of people really do prefer filtered pipes. And he's saying, you know, if you're doing this right, you really shouldn't need that. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, I guess I kind of tend to agree. Well, man, I think that's a great entry into the library. And you know what is a great entry into every single pipe collection around this wonderful world of ours? That is a great clay or corncob pipe from our friends at Missouri Meerschaum. Man, that is right. And uh, one thing I think, too, about, uh, you know, uh, you're in the library, you're reading, you're, uh, you know, studying, maybe maybe writing a letter to a friend or something like that. A lot of times a longer stem pipe uh, is, Ooh, really, yeah, yeah. is really nice uh, for that very reason. And so, um, man, we love this and the, the series of pipes, obviously, that that uh, Missouri Meerschaum have come out with, particularly those Cobbett series pipes that are, you know, all branded around and, and themed around the Middle Earth concept. And, and you know, we love those, embrace them. They, they're they beautiful pipes. They're fun to smoke, but they're, they smoke really well. Oh, yeah. And a lot of them are longer stemmed. And long stem pipes and church warden pipes, they, they make good reading pipes. It's a good pipe that you can actually hold mm, yeah. uh, close to the book as you're sitting there perusing your uh, your favorite book or, or maybe a magazine or some other literature. Um, and I really like the wizard. I was about to say, pipe. I know you're about to say the wizard. I really yeah. like the wizard. Yeah. One thing about the wizard, it, it, it's out of stock a lot because it's so popular. Yeah. And so I also want to commend to the Shire corncob pipe. Those are both great. Uh, they're both a little on the longer side. They both have relatively generous bowls and they're great to look at. They're just really fun pipes. So check them out. Great reading pipes. Any Missouri Mearson pipe is going to be a good pipe, you know, to go along with your favorite book. So Yep. Well, there you go. And we appreciate Misery Mersham for sponsoring this show. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. question of the week. Question of the week this week coming in from Joel Henderson. He says, Hey guys, what is deer tongue? A local tobacconist in my province of Alberta, Canada utilizes it in one of their house blend aromatics. Although I could ask them, they are two and a half hour drive away. And I usually order it online. Is it a tobacco? Is it an herb? Are there other things that are used for blending into tobacco? I'll go ahead and throw in. Is it an actual deer's tongue? <laughs> he, he, he did not write that. I, I, I'm throwing that in. Okay. Uh, ho hopefully you guys can clear this up. Thanks for always creating great content and for bringing the pipe community to folks who don't have one locally. Uh, your Canadian brother of the briar, Joel Henderson. Yeah, such a great question from Joel. So deer tongue is a plant 
and it has been historically used by native cultures and uh, the early settlers of from Europe for medicinal purposes and for flavoring. Yeah, it has kind of a. It's not tobacco. It, it is kind of a controversial, I guess, it, maybe place in the pipe world. Interesting, because it's not tobacco, but it imparts a vanilla flavoring that's just from its own self right with a little kind of nuttiness and that that sounds delicious and it's used as a flavoring in pipe tobacco yeah there have been discussions about deer tongue becoming illegal because it's not tobacco and it's used as an additive into tobacco products interesting and so i don't it's not regulated it's not regulated in the same way tobacco is but it's also not like a cannabis type of situation right i don't think so i don't think so okay it's something that was added a lot more commonly in the past to tobaccos just as a natural element like a flavoring uh to to flavor it before casing think of coffee and chicory okay it's the same concept. It's like, you know, now I, I don't know if it's the same concept in that chicory was kind of introduced to coffee to to cut it, to yeah, make it last longer. You know, pat it out we've only bit, got so yeah. much coffee. Let's add something to it to make it go farther. And, right. You know, so I, I don't know if that's the case, but people today add chicory to coffee because they just like what it tastes like. And so deer tongue is, is along those same lines. The only one I know on the market right now that's mass produced that claims to have deer tongue in it, and that is crooner. From Cornell and Deal, okay. Crooner, I think, uh, is is the only one I can think of that that claims to have deer tongue in it. So I have never blended with deer tongue. It's hard to find. You know, it's one of those that it does impart uh, supposedly that kind of nutty and vanilla flavor. It's got a wild grassiness to it uh, that's interesting. But yeah, it's an herb, and it's something that uh, folks historically have used to flavor pipe tobacco and help help in its smoking quality. So yeah. Well, there you go. Well, great question, Joel. And hey, if you've got a pipe question for us, send it in show at countrysquireradio.com. Again, that is show at countrysquireradio.com. Quick fire with the squire. Quick fire question. All right, man. We got some quick fire questions here. These are coming in from KT. Of course, uh, continuing the uh, the travel edition that KT has hooked us up with. Yeah, I, this I'm, is fun. You know, the, the great thing is KT has actually uh, got us a a joke to kick it off, and I think never intended for us to include it, but I'm including it. <laughs> I'm including it. All right, all, all right. You ready? That's fair. Yeah. A week in Athens, Greece, or a week in Athens, Georgia? Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go to Greece. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a an, there's a SEC institution in Athens, Georgia, uh-huh. <laughs> that you know is a competitor of mm-hmm. another institution that I care for, mm-hmm. and so I would just prefer to probably not go to Athens, Georgia. <laughs> oh, that old sweet song keeps Athens, Georgia. No, on my mind, whatever. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to Greece. Yeah, I'm going to Greece. I've as heard well. Athens, Georgia is beautiful. By the way, I've oh. just never been. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's good. That's I've heard good. it's I've heard it's a nice town. Okay, I've not I've not been. I've not had the pleasure. And if given the option, I would go back to Athens, Greece. I have been to Athens, Greece, and it is a really interesting town. It's a very it's a it's a city, but it's one of these like it's a modern city with all of like this history yeah. and like these yeah. um you know, the Acropolis is right there yeah. 
and uh, and man, I just absolutely love Athens. We I, on, on our way out, I feel like we discovered all these things that we wanted to do more and explore more. And mm-hmm. I would love to go. I, I love Greece just in general. I love Greece and um, bacon Greece. That's a different kind of Greece. <laughs> <laughs> But we're going to continue on with this next one, which is Athens, Greece or Florence, Italy. You know, I'm still going to say Athens, Greece, but I've never been to either of these locations. I I would love to see Florence. Yeah, really would. So, KT, I don't know if you designed this one specifically for me because I've been to both these cities. I've I've been to Athens and I've been to Florence. Yeah, that's right. And so, oh, gosh, which one would I go back to? If it was just one city and not like other places in in the respective countries, I probably would go back to Florence. Okay. It's been it's been a, it's been longer since I've been in Florence, Italy. Again, a gorgeous city, and that one is much more like you feel like you're. It's an older city. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. And it doesn't have quite the as much of like the um at least the parts of Florence that I've been in. You don't really have kind of that modern like building and architecture. Yeah. Like yeah. like dominating the historic you know, uh, yeah. buildings and everything else that's there. You do have, I mean, like you go in Florence, you got all these like boutique shops and everything else, but they're in these like, like grand old 500 year old buildings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing place. So yeah, Florence, Italy would probably be my choice there. Okay. Uh, and then finally kayaking trip or white water rafting trip. I'm going to go with kayaking. I'd, I'd really like to go whitewater rafting. I've never done that before. You're kidding me. Never have, you know, just growing up, never had the chance to do that. I am really glad that this year you and I get to travel together because we got we to get you out, man. I, <laughs> like, we got to get you out. In the I world. just haven't been a lot of places, man. I, I have been a lot of places. I've right. been to it's just, it's just so awesome places. I'm so blessed. But um, but I haven't done a lot of things. And, and, and uh, snow skiing and whitewater rafting are two of them. Um, I have been kayaking and I do like kayaking. So. Well, I, so I, I have been whitewater rafting. Uh, it was fun when I was younger, but I have children now, and um, I will go on a gentle kayaking trip. Yes, sir. And I will be alive at the end of it. I just think of gentle and maybe a cold beer. Yeah. Yeah. Ky- I mean, plus, kayaking is a lot of fun. It's good exercise, but it's, but it's like that. Re- it's exercise while you're sitting down. Right. That's my kind of exercise That's what you right want. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially on like a clear lake where you can kind of see the fish underneath you. You bring uh-huh. like a fishing pole and everything. Ooh, the Rogue River in um, right outside of Grand Rapids. My wife and I went kayaking there. My my me and my father in law go uh, fishing there from time to time. And um, but yeah, we went kayaking and it was just yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful water. It's freezing, but you wouldn't know it because we were in the kayak. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Uh, quick fire questions from uh, KT. Thanks so much, KT, for this. And hey, if you've got some quick fire questions, send it into the show. That is show at Country Squire Radio. Dot com. Your thoughts, your comments, listener feedback. Listener feedback. All right. This is coming in from Jack Rohde. I'm nervous about this one. Okay. Because this is another one of those like, hey, you're not pronouncing things right. And here's how to pronounce it. And so <laughs> this gives me more opportunities to butcher something while somebody's trying to correct. Just us. for the sake of, of it almost yeah. though. Yeah. All right. Okay. You want to read it? No, I want you to read it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing there. Uh-huh. <laughs> From Jack, he says, heard y'all struggling with how to pronounce Peixos bitters. Having grown up watching the Justin Wilson cooking show on Louisiana Public Broadcasting hey. TV, I can tell you with full confidence that it's pronounced Peixo. As Justin Peixo would does. say, I guarantee <laughs> And uh, we uh, it, we probably pronounced it uh, Peixod. 
Peshad's bitters. Oh man, we probably pronounced it thirty different ways. That yeah, we're all because I don't. I, you know, looking at it, I wouldn't know uh, any other way to pronounce it. But anyway, he says it's a pesho, pesho. Like, like you're paying for something and you're showing something. Right. Pesho, uh, pesho's bitters. So, um, so thanks for the uh, thanks for the feedback. That's you great. Know, this is super helpful, Jack, for for a number of reasons. One is it is you know despite the fact that uh, we come on the show and we sound like idiots on a weekly basis regularly. Yeah, yeah we we do we do want to <laughs> we do want to try. To not sound like this, <laughs> uh, you know, like you know, give a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of uh, uh, genteel in class, and we did, yeah, we know how to pronounce things. <laughs> Jack is bringing us straight from the horse's mouth from Louisiana Public uh, Radio or Louisiana yeah, Public Broadcasting Television, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, so thank you so much for this, Jack. Hey, if you've got some uh, uh, feedback for us, you can of course write into the show that show at countrysquireradio.com. You can of course keep up with John David throughout the week. You can follow him at John David Cole or the shop at underscore country squire or the show at squire radio but all that information and more can be found at country squire radio.com john david we have dived i I was skeptical and you have made me a believer what'd you think yeah i i really this was actually a lot of fun yeah and i'm i'm excited i was nervous and it ended up being really fun yeah and I, i get it now i remember every single time you've tried to explain to me this this concept for this episode i was just like okay we just need to do it. It's like a it's like a board game <laughs> that like somebody's trying you to explain don't to you. Understand it until you just play it. You just need to play it. And like now that I see it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I like I like this a lot. Yeah. I think this will be great. I'm, I'm looking it, forward. I to think it. it'll be fun, and we'll we'll all bring something to the table uh, that's interesting for the mind and well, um, and and provide good discussion. And we should have probably mentioned this as part of the the discussion, but like let, let, we really want to kick this to the listener as well. If if y'all have got some stuff like, and we've over the years we've had people send in like excerpts from books and different poetry and that sort of thing. This is gonna be like for the you. funnel for this. Yeah. Now. So like by all means, that's like right. send those in, send those back in. Those of you who may have sent that in the, the past, and it was kind of nice because. So we'd get it and we'd read it and be like, oh, cool. And then, you know, but it was too long to yeah. include in like a listener feedback because it was a oh, like excerpt from a book or something like Right. That. Yeah, that's so. right. Or an essay from a, you know, essayist, poet, yeah. whatever, so, a short story, whatever it might be. Absolutely. Send those in. We'd love to, uh, to feature them as part of this new series. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, let's go have a day. See you, brother. <laughs>